I feel like I have heard a lot of people do that. Like, oh, I check and, and it makes me feel better. And I'm like, yeah, but you're feeding this anxiety monster. And that's not good either. Trust, build a great team and then trust that they've got it for a week. And I will tell you, I came back a new woman. I mean, really restored on a different level. And I can do that because I have a phenomenal team. I can do that because I trust them. And I want everyone to have that experience because if you can't find a way to live without me for a week, eventually you're going to find a, a way to live without me forever because that won't last. That's not a sustainable model. Welcome to Leveling Up, where you'll learn from leading experts in talent development and explore how leaders in some of the world's most successful businesses approach employee development, manager training, and more. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also listen on our website at levelingup.co. Leveling Up is made possible by Marlo. Marlo enables you to support your managers and emerging leaders with twice monthly sessions led by Marlo's expert management development coaches. Partnering with their coaches, Marlo members focus on the skills that matter most to them. Skills like communication, time management, people management, strategic awareness, and more. Support your managers and emerging leaders wherever they are in their journey with Marlowe's one-to-one coaching and training. Head to getmarlowe.com for more information. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Today's guest is Janine Boyle. She is the chief people officer at Zealous. Janine has more than 20 years of leadership experience and human resources, and she's worked in companies like Johnson & Johnson, Siemens Healthcare, and Pfizer. And at Zealous, she's overseeing their entire people and culture effort. So this includes everything from talent acquisition, talent management, learning and development, benefits and policy, as well as diversity and inclusion. And after spending most of her career in large organizations, Janine's really focused on exploring smaller disruptive organizations in order to diversify her experience. We get into the weeds of what's going on over at Zealous and how Janine is approaching it. Her thoughts on employee wellness are relevant to today's time, and I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I did. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Today, we have Janine Boyle, the Chief People Officer at Zealous. Janine, thanks so much for being here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. As our listeners have just heard, you have a lot of experience in HR, and I'm excited to jump into how you ended up where you are today at Zealous, moving from global enterprise companies to smaller startups. But we're also going to cover quite a few other topics around employee wellness and the trends of today in terms of what's happening with return to work and all of the things. So before we get going, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about yourself and how you ended up at Zealous. Yeah, yeah, sure. Happy to. So it's a pretty interesting career journey because I started my career in large multinational companies and had the privilege of really seeing what a lot of really great talent systems look like and really grew up through talent acquisition, went into business partner roles, even had the opportunity to work abroad. I worked in London for some time and also worked in Puerto Rico. So these were really rich learning experiences and worked for a company that was doing a lot of acquisitions and had the opportunity to work with leadership teams that were coming in and those leaders and innovators who had successful enough companies that our company had fired them. And I got really curious about what it would be like to work on the other side, to work with one of these smaller organizations and you know, started kicking the tires on the idea, talking to my network. And I have to tell you, there were a lot of people who said, no one's going to talk to you because you're a big company person and just own that. You've been successful with that. 
And so I kind of, you know, kept pressing and uh, a call came in about an opportunity with Aurora Flight Sciences. This company was just acquired by Boeing. The CEO wanted a bigger company thinking person. And of course I wanted to learn small. So we were like two peas in a pod. And that was the first time that I took a, you know, leading the entire function of HR. It is very humbling to learn that you actually don't know anywhere near as much as you thought that you did just because you came from one of these large companies. So really was a pivot point in my career, loved it. And a couple of years in, got another call about Zealous. And Zealous is a healthcare payments technology organization. It would get me back to healthcare, which I do love. It's the most noble work that I think that can be done. And I think that the problems that we're trying to solve in healthcare payments and just really helping people understand that space, uh, helping consumers understand that space is a pretty noble mission as well. So, so I started in September of 2020. And, and again, another kind of small company, although some people tell me we're not so small, we are growing, um, but about 1600 employees today. It's my favorite conversation with friends when they say they work at a small company and it's like 3000 employees <laughs> and they came from a, you know, 200,000 employee company. Like, we have 20 right. people. <laughs> no, this is great. And I, you mentioned this transition going into startups. What was the biggest hurdle when you first started at Aurora? I'd love to hear more about what that transition looked like such a great question because there were so many learnings and probably my biggest learning is that especially in a large multinational there are armies of people doing work and there are armies of people doing the best work so I may have thought that I did something I actually did not do that at all and it was actually this army I may have touched a piece of it so I think it was definitely a step into the broadest work where you are really accountable and responsible for everything the, even things like employee files uh, I remember that in the early days, we were a government contractor. So things like employee files were important. And I wanted to say, well, that's not very strategic. I don't want to talk about employee files until, you know, an auditor is at your door and then it becomes incredibly important. So we laughed about it later, but, but there were things that made me realize that there was a lot that I didn't know. That was probably the early kind of punch in the gut of you better, you know, you better really open up your aperture to the entire function and domain of human resources and not just the strategic talent stuff that I really loved as a business partner, but to really, you know, it's all strategic, but to really get broad and recognize that you've got a lot to learn. Well, and of course at Zealous now you are overseeing all of these functions as well. What is your role like today? Yeah, so there's no time like taking a head of, you know, a chief people officer role during a pandemic, you know, during this massive period of growth for the company and, you know, no time like the present for like the biggest challenge of my life. And, and so here I am. And even in that domain of it's all important, you've got to get it all done, everything from, you know, growth to compliance, to talent, to, you know, org design, there are still some priorities that are towering in that growth, certainly being one of them, we're a high tech growth company. The other piece that was very new for me, though, that is probably key to mention is that this is a private equity organization. So my first real private experience, even the last company the company had been acquired by Boeing. So for all intents and purposes, it's a Boeing company. This is really private. And so this is, you know, a whole other landscape to navigate different set of rules, et cetera. So kind of getting involved in, in all of that too. And then also leading the people function during a really challenging period of just humankind. Global pandemic, brand new role. And how big was the company when you joined and how big is it today? 
So I want to say it was a, maybe a little bit over a thousand when I joined and 1600 now, 1600 today. Yeah. So that's a lot of growth. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of growth. And, you know, we experienced a lot of, a lot of turnover and challenges that I don't know many companies were exempt from at all. So even just to grow 400, you have to fill something like, you know, 600 roles because you're kind of losing and gaining all the time. And so to grow in this kind of environment, it's hyper growth because your base keeps changing. And, and so you're kind of always catching up from that as well. I want to talk about the recruitment side of it and what that, you know, employer branding and how you've developed your presence as an employer that people want to join. But before we jump into that, what else gets impacted by that rapid growth? For those of our listeners who are right at the beginning of this kind of 50% growth, what are the biggest hurdles that you maybe didn't expect to see? So I think the thing that you have to think about is scaling every single one of your talent systems. So I tend to think about everything that we do as possible reusable software. What is reusable for us that we don't have to reinvent each time we do it? And, you know, kind of get the train on the track. And then where do we spend our time on things that aren't software, reusable software, the things that really require more discussion, more thinking, et cetera. And not that they're easy things because you can automate a lot, but get as much automated as you can so that you just do great work through automation. And then that gives you the time to focus on the other stuff. I think it's a fool's game to think like, oh, I'm just going to survive. I'm going to get through today. I'm going to do the things that I have to do today because the truth is tomorrow you're going to be bigger. Tomorrow you have more demand, more people coming to you for, you know, more demand in the system. So you have to think about it in terms of systems instead of individuals. And how do you scale every single thing that you do to create this amazing employee experience? And that's really what, what we're after. And that's not going to be through me personally, that's going to be through scaled talent systems. Let's talk about that employee experience. Yeah. What has been your goal over the past two years? expanding your employee experience? I want our employees, and we call them zealots, by the way, the play on our our company name of Zealous. We kind of said it as a joke at a meeting a few months back, and it really caught. So we call ourselves zealots. So the aspiration that I have for every zealot who works with us is that they can be their whole self. They can be exactly who they are. They don't have to spend any energy trying to be someone else. I think it's a goal to have as many role models in the system as we have people, you know, so everyone has someone to look up to and that people can just be who they are. We have values that are really important to us. I also want people to just be individuals. I want them to be successful in every aspect of life, not just work. And so our approach and our strategy around environment and what we want to create will promote success in every aspect of life because that's who that's that's who we were always working with you know we were working with people forever but i think covid has made some things just really rise to the top in order of importance culture was always important to companies i think now it is towering it's not number 5 anymore it's number 1 and to really put that employee at the center of everything that you do and root for them in every part of life that's what we want to create here congratulations on getting to that point, right? And really understanding where you're headed. I know that a lot of organizations are trying to figure out what this looks like, right? We want, we aspire to be that great organization. How do we get there? I wonder if you're willing to share some of the tactical actions you've taken to create this experience. You know, how do you, how do you bridge the gap between sort of 
talk and actually creating that system? Yeah. So I think that there are a couple of things that are important here. So we have 1600 people, which depending on who you are, that's either a lot or a little, but we have a pretty diverse group of individuals as far as the type of work that they do. So we have production, we have call centers, we have technical, a huge technology organization. And so you have different types of people, you have different demographics. We operate all over the country. So you could just imagine diversity as the theme here in a lot of ways. And for me to offer a lot of diverse offerings, number one, in not everything's going to hit for everyone. So we have what we call business resource groups, which are kind of our diversity groups. They're newer for us. We they're, they're not longstanding. They're probably, the oldest one is probably a little over a year old, but we have six off the ground now. And they are very active and ambitious and doing really fun things. So these are opportunities for our people to plug into, again, if they, if they want to. We even have things like book clubs and things like that. So I think creating an informal community is important. You know, years ago, companies thought about their cafeterias and their coffee shops and how long you would stand in line to make sure that you had enough time to talk to the person in front of you or behind you. And I think about that too. Where is that virtual coffee line? How are people going to connect? How are you going to find the person who's also passionate about boating or traveling or hiking or whatever the thing is? So those few minutes before a meeting where you're doing some intro, which to some may feel painful, it's to promote introduction and network. And I think the sooner you get to that, the better Because I know that a year from now, if I ask someone why they're here at at Zealous, they're going to tell me that they either have an amazing manager or they're here for the people. And so if I know that to be true, then what do I do to help to promote that? Yes, access to learning and training and, and all these things are important and we do that too, but it's community, it's network. Those are the things that we as humans really care about. So those are the things that I'm thinking about that will promote that. In addition, having a superb manager, there is a lot on leaders today, the burden of leading during such a you know, challenging time in history. They take a lot of the burden of the people who work for them. I know that. And so it is, a, it is probably the toughest job these days, maybe next to being a recruiter, very, very challenging role. And so we've got to support them because the more effective they are, the more they care and demonstrate that care for their team, the more plugged in and high performing that that team will be. So really helping to support them to get there. And it probably sounds like the basics, but it is really good execution of the basics. And you mentioned that execution of the basics during our call before the show. And that really stuck with me of what is great as execution look like, especially for a company growing so quickly. At the end of the day, table stakes, really matter, right? It's to do all these really great programs beyond the basics is exciting, but if you're not getting the basics done correctly, employees are left hanging. How are you approaching the return to work? We talked about this a little bit before you mentioned building this community. How does that get impacted with being in the office or not in the office and so on? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that the sooner we realize that the answer is somewhere between zero and one is the sooner we're going to get there. There's not the working remotely and full-fledged in the office. And this is where I feel like we have incredible advantage because we have very thoughtful leaders who are willing to to kind of retake in this environment of, okay, we've created something very special. We have a great workforce of people that we have fought hard to build 
and to retain. And they all have different challenges as far as where they are in life, what they have going on in their, in their lives outside of work. And I want to be incredibly respectful of that. So our approach is to just not break anything. We are plugged into the external environment as far as what other companies are doing, what's working, and also, you know, taking that in as input, as research, but also knowing that something different might work for us. So things like going into the office for purpose, we know that key to relationships and network is some face-to-face collaboration. We do want that. Do I want it on a regimented schedule? Not necessarily. And depending on where a team is, how new they are, where they are in their cycle of development, they might get together more or less often. I want to be respectful of the fact that we have recruited more from more regionally, less in, in a particular city. So most of our associates live within, you know, a hundred miles or so of a site, but they could live further than they would have before. And I want to be respectful that if I ask someone to come in, they've got commuting time, they are coordinating childcare and pickups and things like that. I want to make it worthwhile. I don't want them to do that because it's Tuesday. I want them to do that because the team's coming together and there's a meeting and there's something really powerful going on. The kind of, you know, dinner that you have that you laugh so much that your belly hurts the next day. I want that kind of experience for when people do come together. And then the other times they can be executing and kind of taking that flexibility. And so it's like a heartbeat. It's like this intense period of performance and then a slight period of rest. And that is, you know, the way that I think that humans will, will perform going forward and to trust your workforce that they're going to do the right thing. And I often find that they're more often getting together and going to happy hours and dinners and meetings, and they're loving being together. And that's happening without a mandate, without, you know, saying, telling them how to do it. They're finding the right way to do it. I think some zealots will only come in for training and for town halls, and maybe it'll be less frequent. And that is totally cool too. So we are going to discover what the market will do and what we'd like to do, but we do know that human relationship is a part of it. So it's not going to be fully, again, it's going to be somewhere between zero and one. We've touched on it in pieces, but I know employee wellness is an important topic for you. Specifically, what are you offering to support the mental health and well-being of various types of people. And I know you've mentioned it's a diverse group of employees with different needs. How have you approached selecting the support and resources you've used? So this is something that is very near and dear to my heart around mental health and reducing stigma and helping people get to the resources that they need. So we do have free resources and support for mental health and I read something recently that said one in five adults, working adults have a mental health, you know, just diagnosable mental health disorder. And for me, that means hundreds of people. Like I take that really, really seriously. And it's not just about pointing someone to resources. So I'm thrilled that we're a kind of organization that offers that for free. But I also think about the bigger role here that I have of making sure that we have an environment that does not promote, you know, a mental health crisis. So I can't ask you to work 70 hours a week and ask you to travel every week or what have you, and then say, oh, here's the mental health support. I have to be really thoughtful about creating environments that people really thrive in, that they can have periods of intensity followed by periods of rest and to give them the time to do that, the flexibility, the autonomy to manage you know, other parts of their life so that they don't burn out. So we have, we have things like Wednesday afternoons, we don't have meetings. 
we chose Wednesday as the halfway point of the of the of the year of the month of the week. Wednesday is the halfway point. It's Friday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wednesday is the halfway point of the week where we wanted to give everyone a little bit of a breather, either catch up from the first half, you know, plan for the second half, just a little bit of a breather. And we do the same thing on Friday afternoons. We officially kind of close at three o'clock on Friday's local time. And, and so that means you either get a head start on the weekend, on your travel or whatever you have planned, or it's just a quiet period that you can kind of debrief from the week. So I realized that the company has to do some things like that to meet the employee in the middle, because we just can't shove all this, you know, really challenging work and big ambitions and say, manage it. We want to help to manage it by having those like little bit of breathers, but also, you know, encourage our our people to set your own boundaries. How do you work morning person, night person? You want breaks, you don't want breaks to manage that freely on autonomously. We want everyone, I recognize the diversity of how people work. So it's us meeting in the middle, really monitoring for intensity because I don't want to promote stress or disease or, or things like that. I want it to be a super healthy, fun. I mean, look, they're very, very type A, very ambitious people. So I feel like I need to look out for them even more. They might not look out for themselves and make sure that we've got the balance, right? We'll never get it perfect, of course, but but I'm thinking a lot about that around environment. And so key to that is leadership, making sure that our people leaders are also aware of that, that they're trained and skilled and that they're amazing people to work for. So that's another massive key to, to the success. And you recently went on a vacation where you completely checked out. And how do you demonstrate that with your, you know, is that the idea of let's just make sure leaders are doing what they're encouraging others to do as well, holding us accountable to our commitments here? Yeah, exactly. Look, flexibility and taking time away from work is is just as important as your time at work. And I did. I went away for six business days. I did not turn the laptop on. and told my team, if you need me, text me so that there is a lifeline in case anything kind of emergency was going on. And I don't want to feed that anxiety myself. It's easier to go and check and see that everything's okay and and keep going on about your your vacation. And I feel like I have heard a lot of people do that. Like, oh, well, I check and, and it makes me feel better. And I'm like, yeah, but you're feeding this anxiety monster. And that's not good either. Trust, build a great team and then trust that they've got it for a week. And I will tell you, I came back a new woman. I mean, really restored on a different level. And I can do that because I have a phenomenal team. I can do that because I trust them. And I want everyone to have that experience. Because if you can't find a way to live without me for a week, eventually you're going to find a a way to live without me forever because that won't last. That's not a sustainable model. Thanks for sharing that. We could talk for hours about boundaries and, you know, helping people understand how to check out, especially during this more virtual time where we're all sort of always on. As we get near on time, I wanted to ask a little bit about executive team and how you fit into this model. We talked about this before the show, and I think it's interesting and worth bringing up because there are a lot of HR leaders who are trying to build strong collaboration with their executive team. Any thoughts that you can share, any insight that you'd be willing to, you know, go public on? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, you know, sometimes they say it's better to be lucky than good. I feel incredibly lucky that I am blessed with the executive leadership team that I have the privilege of working with from our CEO, who is 
you know, equally brilliant in strategy and people, which is like such a beautiful combination. And then the entire executive leadership team, mostly new. So if you check us out, a lot of our leaders are new to the company or new to their roles. So there's a lot of newness in the system, which is challenging in one way and also really fun and exciting the other. We work at a speed that the alignment is almost constant. You don't wait for a one-on-one to connect. If there's a connection need, you connect, you know, at the end of the day or, or what have you to just get heads together and make sure that you're aligned on, on the mission. And it is that kind of feel like you're friends, you know, you are, we all have a shared mission. We all manage a different part of that mission. There's a lot of empathy for me. So I feel like there are a lot of supporters. They, they will openly say between COVID and, and labor shortage and, and, you know, that I've got the toughest job on the team. I, I would argue that all the jobs are pretty tough. But I have a lot of empathetic supporters in my peers, in the in the other leaders on the executive team, and they want to tackle the people challenges every bit as much as I want to, and they know how to partner with me. So that's another thing is, is one skill that I've learned over my career is to kind of teach people what I can bring from a talent perspective. And in this particular case, they already know. And so they're asking me the right questions. I hope I'm answering with the right data and the right strategy. So in this case, we're just in a really, really nice flow, a little bit of luck there. This team works hard and fast and does not break stride. So when you're working this fast, you are occasionally bumping into each other. The thing that I love the most and that I want to promote on my own team is the forgiveness in the system. You know, when you're moving at breakneck speeds, you're occasionally going to bump into each other. There's some bruising that happens and that you, you know, quickly realign, move forward and learn, you know, this growth mindset. So the senior leadership team is really full of of leaders like that feel incredibly fortunate to be the chief people officer that gets to lead in in an organization like this. Thanks for sharing that. I know a lot of leaders are trying their best to support their HR functions, especially during this time, but it is traditionally an area that has been needing more attention, let's just say. And I'm really excited to see how many organizations are starting to support and bring, you know, obviously HR leaders are the most important piece of developing a high functioning culture and performance of your organization. And so obviously I'm like preaching to the choir. We have a good audience of HR leaders, but all right. So we are about out of time here. And one of the questions I ask every guest is how they focus on staying sharp in their industry. So what are the resources that you lean on to stay sharp as a chief people leader? This is such a great question. And the thing that I have leaned on the most is a kind of new thing. The network that has been created because of COVID of senior HR leaders coming together, sharing openly, here's what we're doing. Here's what I learned because truthfully it was safety and lives at stake, right? Like we all came together as a community to solve this together. And now those communities, which I'm involved in a few of them in different regions are coming together to talk about other stuff. This is open innovation for HR that we never had before. And so I love to read. And if I'm in the car, I'm listening to a podcast or I'm listening to a book. So I do, there's, there's a lot of reading that I just do on the side. But there's nothing like the real-time connection with other HR leaders of how are you tackling this? Or even, you know, who are you using for this or that? It is such, it it helps to accelerate pace in such a great way. And so I just feel like 20 years ago, we might've said, I'm not telling you what I do. That's privileged or what have you. And now it's like, here's what I've learned and let everyone know it and really share in the success. Because when, 
you know, we all move forward. It's great for the economy. It's great for the workforce. It's great for a lot of reasons. And I love that. So, you know, there are tons of people in my, you know, broader HR community that have helped me be successful because the truth is having managed through this, you know, COVID crisis as a CPO, I would have been exclusively focused on COVID because I would have been myself trying to figure that out. And the truth is I said, you know what, I'm not going to be the first to market with like the best COVID practice. I'm going to learn from what everybody else is doing so that I can still grow this company. So if not for that community, I would have just been in COVID. And because of that community, I got to solve for COVID and, you know, actually tackle other priorities. So that network is awesome and super grateful for it. That's great. Thank you for sharing the communities that are building internationally even. We had uh, Badia Roboyedo on the show last week, and she is the chief people officer for Krispy Kreme Mexico. And she was saying, you know, she's in partnering with all of these communities in the US and in Europe and in, across Latin America that couldn't have been possible without this push to a more virtual digital collaborative environment. So Janine, thank you so much for being with me today. I've thoroughly enjoyed everything that you've shared. And I know our guests will as well. I hope we can bring you back on the show a few years from now to hear how everything has been going from Zealous. But absolutely. in the meantime, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts on Stitcher, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Head over to levelingup.co to join our newsletter and to find past episodes.